from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, and no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. And when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Father, we just thank you for the day. We just ask you, Father, that you would help us, even though we might be in different rooms, Lord, that each living stone of your house, Father, would join together in praising you, giving you thanks, Lord, for your good, always good, Father. I'm casting my cares aside I'm leaving my past behind I'm setting my heart and mind on you, Jesus I'm reaching my hand to yours Believing there's so much more Knowing that all you have in store for me is good so good today is the day you have made i will rejoice and be glad in it today is the day you have made i will rejoice and be glad in it oh i won't worry about tomorrow trusting in what you say today is the day our fears aside leaving our doubts behind I'm giving my hopes and dreams to you Jesus I'm reaching my hand to yours believing there's so much more knowing that all you have in store for me is good let's declare it you're good Today is the day you have made I will rejoice and be glad in it Today is the day you have made I will rejoice and be glad in it No, I won't worry about tomorrow I'm trusting in what you say Today is the day 
I will stand. Oh, I will stand upon your truth. I will stand upon your truth. All my days I live for you. All my days I live for you. Oh, I will stand upon your truth. I will stand upon your truth. All my days I live for you. Sorrows, where you lead, I will follow. I'm trusting in what you say. Today is the day. Oh yeah. Oh, today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. Victory is the Lord's. Victory is the Lord's. We've just begun to fight. We've just begun to fight. Victory is the Lord's. Victory is the Lord's. We've just begun to fight. Just begun to fight, and when I get discouraged, having done all that I stand, He gives weapons to fight the spirit of mine. I feel the power, the word of the Lord. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And his eyes are a flame of fire, and his will is my desire. Victory is the Lord's, victory is the Lord's. We've just begun to fight. Just begun to fight. Victory is the Lord's. Victory is the Lord's. We've just begun to fight. We've just begun to fight. Come on. And when I get discouraged. 
Having done all that I stand He gives weapons to fight And the spirit of mine Well, I feel the power The word of the Lord Where is the Lord God of Elijah The Elohim are a flame of fire and His will is my desire The weapon may be formed but it will prosper When the darkness falls, it won't prevail Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph My God will never fail Oh, my God will never fail I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Every war he wages, he will win. Now I'm not backing down from any giant Cause I know how this story ends Yes, I know how this story ends I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you Lord you take you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good Say it again You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good You take what the enemy meant for evil And you turn it for good You turn it for good
For the battle belongs to you, Lord. You take. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you. Thank you, Lord. Father, you are good, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence, Lord. We ask God that you would just meet us here, Lord. We do come before that throne, Lord. We ask God that you'd fill each and every person listening today, Lord, with your spirit. And just allow your power to encompass us, Lord. The same power that rose Christ from the dead, Lord, is in me and is in you to do great things in the earth and to be overcomers and to realize that the Lord has the victory and we can give him all of our cares of this world. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you that Pastor Larry has taught us over and over and over again that this is a building, this is not the church. That's right. Father, you are our sanctuary. You know, in Revelation it says that in, in heaven there's not a sanctuary, there's not a tabernacle. Because Jesus is the tabernacle. Isn't that awesome? And wherever we are today, this morning, we are tabernacled in Christ Jesus together. Amen. So let's all go before the throne of God right now, wherever you are. Let's just enter into his holy of holies that he's opened up for us. Hallelujah. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong, perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written. On his heart, I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me, despair and tells me of guilt within of word I look to see him there who made an end to all my sin because the sinless Savior died 
Jessica, welcome to the most unique service that's ever been held at Abundant Life Church 
in its 36-year history. None of us saw this coming, but that doesn't mean we weren't ready for it. We've come together in a unique way today to worship the Lord our God. As I said in the email and in the call fire that I sent out, I've been saying for years that if we could not meet together on Sunday mornings, could we still be a church? And my follow-up was always, if we, if the answer is no, then we're not a church now. My belief is that we are a church, and the fact that we're not in the same room this morning does not negate the fact that we are his church at this locale. We are together today just as much as we are together every Sunday and every time we gather with all the angels in heaven and all the believers in Jesus Christ around the world. We're together. One day, hopefully, we'll be back together physically, but that won't negate or change our value of worship. Today, I just want to remind you uh, by way of announcements, so some of you feel comfortable like you've been to church, that um, I would encourage you where you're comfortable and where you think it's safe to at least gather with small groups of people, obviously less than 10, and fellowship uh, and utilize all of the technology that we have today. There are various ways that people are connecting and utilize those ways to connect uh, and uh, obviously we're not going to receive an offering this morning. I'm not sure you could reach the baskets, but I do want to remind you that, um, that you could uh, bring your tithes and offerings by the church office. We will maintain regular office hours until we're told we can't. Uh, you can mail your offering in, which several people do already. And then the new way is uh, you go to our website, alcmountjuliet.com, and click on Donate. And it'll take you to PayPal. It won't cost you anything, and you don't have to be a member. You can just use your debit card or credit card. We have an a, a easier way coming. We're going to use Venmo, but we had not got that set up yet. So anyway, uh, enough about offerings. In a moment, we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But first, uh, let me pray. Lord Jesus, we are connected with you, and we sense your presence this morning, regardless of how many people are or are not in this room. And we are we are joined together by your Holy Spirit and by the covenantal DNA that we have among us. We're joined together with your people, not only the people of Abundant Life Church, but the people around the world and around this country who are breathing the breath of God. And so today we pray that your word would come alive to us. And we pray that we would see what we can only see by the power and anointing of your Holy Spirit. And we would hear what your Holy Spirit says to us today. And that we would, we would end this time together with hope, encouragement, strength, Lord Jesus. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that you would anoint your word, anoint your servant. 
Amen. Amen. As I said, in a moment, we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians 4. By the way, we are departing briefly, hopefully briefly, from our series we've been doing. We actually only have one teaching left in that series, but we're going to put that on hold for a little while. Today, I'm going to talk about the exceeding greatness of God's power. Let's just read that passage now. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. Uh, if you want to stand in your living rooms, that's fine. Uh, but I'm going to read and it says this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be also be manifested in our bodies. Amen. Thank you, Lord. May you add your blessing to the reading of the word. Exceeding greatness. We live in an hour when we need exceeding greatness. We need something beyond what we are and who we are. Exceeding greatness by definition really just simply means beyond measure or super eminence. There's eminence and then there's super eminence. And of course the version we read and many of your versions will say surpassing greatness. It surpasses whatever. I was, I use the word exceeding because I want to make sure we understand that whatever we're dealing with today, whatever we're facing today, that God's power exceeds that. For many of us, it's fear. For many of us, it's uncertainty. For many of us, it's insecurity. But God's power supersedes all of that if we'll look to Him. Paul writes this to Timothy, I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able, let's all say that together, he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. He either is able or he's not able. He's capable or he's not capable. And what we have entrusted to him, what we have given to him and what he's given to us, he is able to guard that until that day. None of us know what or when that day is coming. But we hold on to that promise that what we have committed to God ourselves, he is capable. By the way, God is not surprised that COVID-19 is spreading around in the coronavirus family. God is not nervous. God is not shaky. He's not wondering what's going to happen. He's able. So in In the time that we live that is of an unsettled nature, a lot of people are unsettled, we need to know and really know that we are in the hands of one who is able to guard us and to guard what we have entrusted to him. We need to to embrace our trust in him, and I'll deal with that a little more later on. One of the things we learn during this time and we learn from this passage is that our weakness 
magnifies the greatness of God's power. It's our weakness, in our weakness, that God's power shows up. Uh, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, My power, God is speaking, my power is made perfect or complete in weakness. And I don't have a slide for this, but the next verse says, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, does God want us to be weaklings? It's not weakness in the sense that we think as human beings, but it's weakness in the sense that we have removed ourselves out of God's way. God will not violate your space. And there's only room for one on the throne of your life. It's, it's a single space. It's either going to be God sitting on it or you sitting on it. And when we remove ourselves from that throne and get out of God's way, it's in that moment that we've chosen weakness in the face of God. So when when we are weak in that sense, God's power is made complete. And so Paul even says, our pleasure in all of these things. Maybe he went a little too far. I don't know. But he did say, for when I am weak, I am strong. And then he gives us this passage that we're going to deal with today, dealing with adversity. It starts off by saying, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels and some versions there, maybe I think this one did, says jars of clay. And some of you thought that was just a singing group. Jars of clay, earthly tabernacles, our human bodies. We have this treasure. And, he, and Paul's trying to communicate to us that we are human beings with human flaws. And yet within this human tabernacle of clay dwells the Spirit of God and the power of God. And he said, we have this treasure. What is that treasure? Well... Uh, among other things, it's it's the the place where God uh, says this, light has shone in our hearts. Light has shone in our hearts. Human tabernacle, humanity, flawed humanity, and yet God's light has shone in our hearts. It says that in James one twenty one, receive with meekness. The implanted word. So God, within this flawed tabernacle, God has implanted his word in us. Some versions there say engrafted into us. Even though we're humans. God has given us the living gospel. The gospel is the power unto salvation. And God has given that to us. It's a living gospel. And think about this. We're taught in Scripture that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in these jars of clay. So Paul says, we have this treasure. This is the treasure. He said, but the reason we have the treasure is so that, that God's power, or we can demonstrate that God's power or the power that's in us belongs to God and not to us. Sometimes when we walk with God long enough or we have gifts, sometimes we operate in those gifts and we see God move. And sometimes we begin to believe our own press. We begin to believe, oh, I got this. I'll call God when I need him. 
Well, you need him now. You need him now. In this time when, again, we're a lot of questions. We don't know what's going on. We must hold on to the Lord Jesus. Paul says we are. And he, and he, he follows that with a number of statements. We are. And the first thing he says is we are afflicted. We're afflicted. Now, he's, he's not just talking about you and me. He's talking about himself and the apostles and the group that he, he ran with. But it, it applies to all of us. We are afflicted. And the, the word there, it, most of you know that Paul was a sports enthusiast. A lot of Paul's imagery is, are, is sports. This is no different. It's uh, To be afflicted is to mean as a person might be close pressed by an adversary in an athletic contest. I think it may be a wrestling metaphor that he's using here, but think about being just closed in. What we mainly think of here is to press grapes, to squeeze the grapes. And normally you do that, obviously, to make good wine, squeeze the grapes. And what God says is we are being afflicted so that he can produce from our lives the choicest wine, the choicest product. We don't like to be squeezed. We don't like to be pressed. And yet, until the caterpillar is squeezed, until the caterpillar faces difficulty and struggle, it never becomes a butterfly. I like the fact that he says we are afflicted, we are pressed, we are squeezed from all sides, but... You know, but is anesthesia before surgery. But we are not crushed. We're afflicted, but we're not crushed. We're not pressed beyond the ability to function. In other words, the affliction that comes into our lives, be it from God or not, God can use it, and God does use it, by the way. It's not debilitating. It's not paralyzing. It's, it's not, it doesn't keep us. In other words, the Syriac renders this in all things, we are pressed, but we are not suffocated. And I think it's important for us today to remember and recognize that while we may feel things squeezing us and pressing us from the outside, that it's not to the degree of, of debilitating or paralyzing, but we might feel, we might feel squeezed but we're not suffocated because Paul had resources. These resources enabled him to bear up under the trials that he faced and still engage in the work for engaging the gospel. Paul had resources. You have resources and you have the same resources that the apostle Paul had. You have the spirit of God you have the grace of God. You have the power of God. You have you have everything that the Apostle Paul had at his disposal. So he could say, we're, we're squeezed, but we're not squeezed so far that we're suffocated. And then he says, we are perplexed. I suppose if any word could describe our society today, it's, a, it's the word perplexed. And it simply means we don't know what to do. I'm sure somebody listening to me today and watching me, you don't know what to do. Join the club. 
It means in the midst of apparently overwhelming circumstances, we don't know what to do. We don't know what move to make. But Paul goes on to say, we, we might, we are perplexed, but we're not despairing. Perplexity could drive you to despairing. Perplexity could cause you to despair, but Paul says, we're not despaired. We're not utterly perplexed. We're not left entirely or completely without resource. We have resources. When Paul and his company did not know what to do, when all their resources that they had seemed to fail them, they, they found unexpected strength and resources were imparted to them by the Holy Spirit. It reminded me of when uh, Jehoshaphat was being faced with a trio of armies who were trying to attack uh, him and his nation. And he went to God. And among other things, he prayed this prayer. Second Chronicles twenty twelve. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? Okay, let me just stop. Oh, our God, will you not judge COVID-19? Oh, our God, will you not judge this coronavirus? You could just fill in the blanks. Will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Whether it's COVID-19, whether it's a shaking doctor's diagnosis, whether it's an ugly looking checkbook balance. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And if our eyes are on him, as we'll see a little later, we'll find our resource. We're, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. He said, we're persecuted. Which means to be pursued by your enemy. It means to be pursued or followed by menaces, curses, and reproaches. Anybody ever felt chased by life? Chased by situations? Threatened? We all have. A lot of people are right now. He says we're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. There are people, there are life events crushing us and trying to crush us and trying to perplex us. But he says, we're not forsaken. God never leaves us nor forsakes us. And Hebrews 13, five, the writer of Hebrews says, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's quoting Deuteronomy 31, six. It means that we're not given over to the power of our pursuer. We're not given over to the one who would pursue us to menace us. I read 2 Corinthians 12 earlier, and this is where Paul prays to God to remove the messenger of Satan that was sent in the old King James to buffet him. When you start looking at that text and what he's really saying is that this messenger of Satan just jabbed him. It, it, would, it was uh, irritating him. But he was not given over to the power of that messenger of Satan. And, the, and this, this jabbing, this prodding 
by the messenger of Satan caused Paul to arrive at a place where he could say, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Without the prodding, is it possible that he doesn't get to that place? Uh, I'm not turning, but if you're taking notes, you want to write down 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 27. There is a laundry list there of Paul's trials, of the things that he faced. And when we get to feeling that we got it tough, we just need to go to that passage and read what Paul went through. He goes on to say, we're cast down. And that's, again, a wrestling tournament. It's like thrown down as a wrestler would his opponent in a match. Thrown down. Sometimes, sometimes the enemy throws us to the mat. That's often and probably always when we have doubted and when we have believed what the enemy has tried to tell us. Thrown to the mat. We cast down. Here's the key. Not destroyed. We're not destroyed. We're not removed out of the equation completely. Um, we're not put to an end in that situation. We're not rendered useless. Even though we might stumble. Even though we might fall. Even though we might whatever. Find a, a moment of weak faith. We're not rendered useless. And although Paul and his companions were thrown down and cast into troubles and difficulties, they got up again and they surmounted all of the issues. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs twenty four twelve. It says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he will get up. The issue in our life is not whether we fall. The issue is whether we get up. Falling you can get over falling, but you can't get over not getting up. And so whenever we as human beings stumble, whatever may be the case, the next move has to be get back up. Stand on our feet. Micah 7, 8 says, do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. And though I dwell in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. So notice that all these four things that Paul identifies, notice that there's a little trouble, but not complete trouble. There's a little bit of an issue, but we're not destroyed by the issue. We're not crushed completely and utterly perplexed. Notice that God allows these things to happen, but he doesn't allow us to be taken out of the way or destroyed. If we think we'll never face trials, if we think we'll never face issues, uh, then we, we, we need to wake up. One of the problems we're facing in our country today is that we are a spoiled country. We're, we're so used to having our way, getting our way, having all of the amenities that we want. Some, some little girl on some beach recently said, I, I, can't, uh, I can't believe y'all are going to take away my spring break. Like that's the most important thing in the world right now. Every one of these issues that Paul identifies allows God to adjust us and tweak us. But none of them take us out of the way. None of them marginalize or eliminate us. So what does all this mean? It means the rock is real. 
If you don't hear anything else that I'm saying today, you've got to hear this. The rock is real. In a time when you hear all kinds of reports, all things going on, our lives are completely disrupted. We need to hold on to the fact that the rock is real. David writes in Psalm 22, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior. You save me from violence. Did you notice he used the word refuge twice? I'm thinking of, um, I can't remember if it's a Psalm. I think it's Psalm. I'm not sure where it says the, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it and are safe. When you feel nervous, when you feel shaky, when you're feeling down, when you're feeling oppressed, run into the name of the Lord. Hold on to him. David says a similar thing in Psalm 62, 6. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. He only is my rock. We might find, try to find resources in other avenues. But we must remember that God himself is the only one who is our rock. That we can hold on to. And only through him and him being our stronghold, only through that can we say, I shall not be shaken. That doesn't mean we won't face issues. Paul just showed us that we face issues. But we're not going to be shaken in our faith. We're not going to be shaken in our trust in him. Because we hold on to him, our rock. The writer of Hebrews says this. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder or author And the perfecter or completer of our faith. Let us run with endurance. In other words, let's, let's, let's run the race. Let's don't let anything stop us from running the race. Looking to Jesus. That's an interesting term there in the original text. And it simply means this. It doesn't mean just to look at something, but it means to look away from something. To something. To look away from your circumstances unto Jesus. To look away from all the bad news. To look unto Jesus. Why would we, why would we need to turn our attention to Jesus looking away from to Him? That's because He is the author and the founder of our faith. And He's the completer of our faith. Our faith is not something that we are supposed to have somewhere in a reservoir. And when it gets below a certain line, somebody tells us, you don't have enough faith. Our faith comes from our author. And our faith comes from the completer of our faith. And when you take your attention off of circumstances 
and you turn your attention unto the author and perfecter of our faith, you're, you become strengthened in your inner person. Because faith comes from him. He's the founder. He's the completer of our faith. Our faith is in Jesus, who is our solid rock. In the face of uncertainty, in the face of what, what, who knows what's coming next, we believe that Jesus Christ is the solid rock that we, we hold on to. We hold on to Him and our faith in Him, our trust in Him. I've often said, I have to trust God because I don't have anybody else to trust. If I can't trust God, I can't trust anyone. So I have to trust him. I have to put my faith in him today and let him take me through this time. That doesn't mean it won't be difficult. It doesn't mean uh, there won't be issues. It doesn't mean you're going to run out today and find toilet paper. But what it means is that you won't be shaken in your inner being. Hold on to your faith in the Lord Jesus. Whatever you got your eyes on, take them off of that and put them on him. Whatever's got you distracted, whatever's got you concerned, take take your eyes off of that and remember that you serve the Lord Jesus. And you you may be you may be perplexed, but you're not going to be utterly perplexed. You may be cast down, but you're not going to be destroyed. You're not going to be in despair. You're not going to be moved out of the way. Your faith is in him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray today that you would infuse a flood of, of, of your Holy Spirit into each one of us. We know that you told us that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And I pray that each one of us today have heard your voice and therefore have as you told your as disciples said, increase our faith, that you've increased our faith today as we've heard your voice. Lord, help us to not be shaken during these trying times. Help us not uh, to be depressed, to be oppressed. Help us not to be down, but to help us to be those who can be a voice of hope in this time. We thank you that you you allow things to come into our lives that will affect us and cause adversity in our lives And at the same time, they don't completely move us out of the way. They don't completely destroy us. And yes, sometimes we fall because of circumstances. We thank you that by your grace, we get back up. Help us all to get back up. Now let your people, as as the army of God, let your people go out into society as little as they can. Whether it be through uh, social media, technology, whatever it may be. And be those voices Those voices of hope, those voices of faith, that regardless of what happens, we hold on to our rock, our solid rock, the Lord Jesus. And and we echo today, Lord Jesus, when all the all the people left you when you when you uttered a commitment requirement to follow you. And hundreds of people left you. And you turned and looked at the apostles and disciples and you said, y'all want to go too. We echo Peter's words when he said, well, we've looked and there's nowhere else to go. Where could we go 
But to you, O Lord God, we're staying right here. So, Lord, whatever we, whatever comes our way, whatever whatever adversity befalls us, we pray today and we, we declare today, uh, where could we go? There's nowhere else to go except the solid rock. Let your people be a shining example of you, your goodness, and the greatness of your power during these times. And I pray in the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for attending today the virtual Abundant Life Church service. We will do the same thing next Sunday. And as I've said recently, go out there and act like somebody. Just keep your distance. You're dismissed.